0: Welcome back, everyone, to this week's episode of If I Only Knew. Today, Fred and I take a stab at misinformation as a concept. Are young people just brainwashed by all the information that we get fed through the internet? um, And what consequences are there in such an accelerated, globalized world for all the things that we're able to see? Fred, how are you doing? for those listening overseas
1: at the time this comes out i'll have been sitting in lockdown again for a few weeks Mm. delta variant has hit australia uh and despite what we should have done we were ill prepared and because of good people from my part of the country good people from matt's part of the country are in lockdown and i think we're all feeling it a bit matt i'm not gonna lie i got a little bit of lockdown low mood and i'm one of the privileged few that gets to go to work as opposed to many that have been told they cannot work. So by the time we get to another two of these podcasts, my hair is going to look like Matt's because you can't get a haircut at the moment, and I refuse to put a bowl on my head and get clippers just so you know. But I'm really fascinated by this concept of misinformation because when I was a boy, we called it lies, Matt.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, it seems very relevant to talk about it at the moment, Hey Fred, because I feel like it's been in the public zeitgeist for a while, right? We've had the election in 2016 where misinformation was thrown around tons. We've got COVID where misinformation is thrown around tons. And I think that whatever we label it, some people might call it propaganda. I like the idea of it simply being lies, perhaps conspiracy theories, if you want to go that far. But clearly, misinformation as an idea is very important to our society at the moment. Why do you think it's got such the spotlight at the moment, Fred? Look,
1: I I know you and I will sort of differ on this a little bit in so far as I think the solution to misinformation is your generation and the Zoomers. Mm-hmm. Because I think you know how to consume the volume of information and seek out facts. Right. But it's when my aging aunt sends me the conspiracy theory article mm-hmm. on you know uh, infiltration of politicians mm-hmm. by lizard-like yeah. subterranean mm-hmm. humans that you go, man, there's just a whole heap of people that were programmed to listen to the news Mm, mm, mm. and to believe what was in the papers and was in the news and not to do a little bit of due diligence on the agenda. To answer your original question is, there's very few sources of unbiased information news is controlled by corporations corporations have agendas and they might support certain political beliefs i think that's that's an issue to begin with Mm. i think there's so much polarization of fact out there because of different opinions it's very hard to find the middle ground and information Mm. and i think people can can draw inferences from stuff that's really disparate information the best meme i saw was uh six or seven people around a microscope and the top said, this is vaccination research. Mm. And underneath it was one person sitting on the toilet with their phone going, this is anti-vax research. Yeah, And I go, I don't know, that made some sense to me. But you've got a few contentious issues now. You've got vaccinations, you've got COVID, Mm. you've got this xenophobia in America and to a certain extent, Australia. I think for the first time, I've seen politicians really uncomfortable with challenges that they can't explain away through propaganda you know, what do you see? You're a young guy, you're you you know, you're looking at this. Why does misinformation proliferate now more than I think it has in human history?
0: Well, when you suggested this topic to me, Fred, I was kind of imagining that the uh, predominant discourse in society says that the gullible youth are being spoon-fed lies through the technology that they're glued to, and that's why our society is crumbling. You commented on some different generations there just then that might be well worth investigating in the future, but I think that there's At least that narrative about the role that young people and technology play in misinformation is very interesting to explore because I think that young people obviously spend a lot more time on technology, but we have a lot of skills to determine what is true and what's not. And so I think that that's one of the things that misinformation seems to be everywhere. But I think as long as you can think critically then there are ways to overcome it so the question might be maybe is there a lack of critical thinking when it comes to certain areas particularly with technology so for me technology and social media and all that kind of stuff has accelerated misinformation but that only works when you don't think critically about the information you receive you ask whose agenda am I being fed and why am I getting this on my social media now all that kind of stuff um and so I think that that's that's where it comes from for me um Technology has allowed people to make their interests a lot more overt in the news they spread because you can make an anonymous account. You can pretend to be a news website and you can share information, but- I think a lot of young people have at least cottoned on to the fact that you can't believe everything you read on the internet, because that's obviously quite a good maxim to follow. But I do wonder if there's there's at least some jokes online about the boomers that believe everything on Facebook, which uh, I don't know if that's necessarily fair, given critical thinking is a universal trait that all groups can possess. But I think it's an interesting question of maybe if at least news websites and corporations with their vested interests that you talk about have to spend a lot of money on maintaining big institutions and keeping themselves going Going on the television, whereas you can just create fake news websites and create a whole persona or or character to share misinformation online without too much of a challenge if you really want to develop an agenda online. See, I find that really interesting because I think you are very clearly aware
1: something that you've said to me before and younger people have said to me before is it's almost a joke. Well, if it's on the internet, it must be true. Mm. And the sarcasm is like, don't be an idiot. It exactly. could be anything if it's on the internet. I think the older generation, if I look at my parents, and, and I'm about the age of your parents, so if I look at my parents, they could only consume information through broadcast and print media, mm. and they were trusted sources. Yeah. Now, if you voted a certain way in Australia, you would get most of your information from the ABC. And if you voted another way, you might get more of your information from, say, commercial television like Channel 9, Mm. Channel 7 Mm. because they have a different balance when it comes to politics. Neither is impartial. Mm. One leans left, one leans right. And, you know, I think it's always been acknowledged that way to a certain extent. What's actually happened though is that bond of trust, that contract of trusted broadcasting, over the last generation has devolved into things like—and dare I say it, Matt—and bear with mm-hmm. me—things like the Sky News and the Fox News in America. <laughs> right. Yeah. Have taken this contract of trust, like if the news newsread- reader says it, you can rely on it, and they've exploited that. Mm. And in response to that, I think the internet's allowed other people to take that playbook and either run really far right with it, really far left with it, any variation in between. And then there's the occasional soul that runs off the planet with it yeah, yeah, and starts to believe in amphibian life forms, controlling governments, mm-hmm. the unseen hand, pedophile rings running out of pizza shops, <laughs> you know, this yeah. sort of stuff. Unfortunately there's a certain subset of people in society that are so desperate to believe and to belong mm, mm. that you get people connecting with really extreme ideas. And I have to say that that QAnon thing in America led to them storming yeah. the Capitol. Yeah. I mean, personally, I don't know about you, but do you know too many Australians that would be gullible enough, unless they followed, you know, celebrity chef Pete Evans and we eating activated almonds and, <laughs> and <laughs> LED lights, but... I think there's something in our sensibility that makes us less inclined to believe misinformation. And that might be because the Australian condition is to be a little bit cynical and sarcastic about everything. But in your lifetime, could you see a group of your friends storming Parliament House in Canberra to retain the services of your favorite politician
0: It's crazy. I think there's, that touches on a whole host of specific characteristics okay. of the American system, of course, primarily the ability to uh, cultivate a cult of personality and say that I am the um, face and pinnacle of my political will, and so you have to support me. But I think that I would like to know, I suppose, what the age distribution of the capital riots were, of these, these groups and people that are heavily influenced by this misinformation, because I don't have those statistics and maybe they don't exist, maybe they do. But what what are the age groups of people that are brought in by misinformation like this? And I, I have a sense that it would be more likely to be slightly older people because I think that the younger generation would be more cynical about the things that they read uh, online and that kind of thing. Because I think that when you, when you have an understanding of a platform like the internet, it's very clear that anyone can create this anyone can make this a good website doesn't mean it's true a good bio doesn't mean it's true all that kind of thing because you know it takes a bit of effort but if you really want to anyone can be on these platforms but i expect that if you're not so familiar with them it might simply seem like curated um, television channel. And of course, every television channel has editors and CEOs and board members and all that kind of thing that provides some oversight. So I wonder if that's one of the key differences between misinformation for young people compared to older people is when we might be a bit more familiar with the platforms that we're receiving this misinformation from
1: there's something that you just said then that i find really fascinating so if you take that really bizarre example of the QAnon storming storm in the capital mm. we don't know we don't have the stats i don't disagree with you from the images that look like was largely people of my age and older mm. i'm sure there were young people there mm. um if i look at skepticism about climate change I would say it's a groundswell of young people leading the charge, and it's people of my age and older. The going are that I know they talk about global yeah, warming. Yeah. It's always got hot and cold. You know? It certainly feels that way. Yes. So it's almost like the the stronger the information, the more likely young people will follow the fact. This is just my personal opinion. Mm. So climate change is pretty factually accurate, mm. whereas the more cult of personality stuff. Mm makes us more vulnerable the older we are because of perhaps that broadcast, that... I mean, some of the politicians in Australian history have absolutely been loved, Matt. Mm, mm. That Whitlam is a great example of somebody that regardless of your side of politics, I mean, there's a lot of people that didn't like what he did, but in terms of culture, personality, there are some people that think that individual walks on water or walked on water. exactly, exactly. Then there's, in my lifetime, I I know people that would put
0: photos and shrines up to John Howard. Right, right. I've got to ask a question. Do you watch the news? I very rarely watch the uh, television news, actually. Can I ask why? I, I, I think that's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. A handful of reasons. One is simple habit. When I was little, my parents never let me watch the news, interestingly enough, because they thought that it was simply too sensationalized and too uh, negative for a child to watch. I actually yep. think in hindsight, that was a very positive thing. Um, the yep. world is a horrible place, but it's also a wonderful place. And I think the news is built to focus on the negatives because that's what gets attention. And so I think that's a key reason why I don't watch the news. Another one is um, convenience and to an extent, trustworthiness. Um, The convenience is because I don't spend much time on television. I spend more time on YouTube. And so that is where I get my news from instead. And the, the point of trust is that I can find people who I believe to be truly independent on a website like YouTube so for example I get all my news recently from a set of YouTube channels called TLDR News too long didn't read news they provide 10 minute summaries on some of the most important global and current affairs and they are funded by their Watchers. They're not like people pay money because they watch their content and it's crowdfunded and all that kind of stuff. So there's no corporation behind them. There's no editor looking over their shoulder saying, oh, maybe slant it this way or that way, because that's just they get their money from themselves. And so I much prefer that kind of crowdsourced funding for my news websites, because I am personally quite sceptical around a lot of the established news um, media. If you compare the way they treat different political parties, they feel to be biased in my mind to one way or another. And so I think, yeah, that sense of convenience and trust are probably the two reasons I don't watch the news because I get my current affairs elsewhere. I have to say I watch the news every night.
1: Mm. I watch the news with my wife, whose absolute agony is the proportion of the broadcast devoted to sport, <laughs> right. because in her mind, that's not news. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in New South Wales in particular, they will lead in with the story of the day. Mm. And then by about the third story, it's about a rugby league player that's done something wrong.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Uh, so it's really populated by sport because that's what a lot of people kind of, I don't know, are drawn towards. Yeah. Something I do each morning is I listen to a very right-wing radio station at their news time, and then I flip to the ABC, which is very left-wing in my opinion, because somewhere in between the way they report on the same issue is the truth in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So I've always been that little bit sceptical of never consuming from one spot. Misinformation is not new, but it's new insofar as people can get away with doing something that I hadn't seen in my lifetime or may have been oblivious to until about the last five to 10 years, right. which is blatantly lie yeah. and then write it off as misinformation. Yeah. So when we say, and I spoke to you about this off air, there's a dialogue in America at the moment that certain parts of Texas have the Delta variant rising in numbers because I quote, of the illegal immigrants with criminal backgrounds from Latin American countries, they're letting in through the border illegally. So basically, these illegal immigrant criminals are bringing in a disease that's going to kill us. That's paralleled with a narrative that COVID is, as they call it, the Fauci ouchie. Oh, God. And it's not real and it's not going to hurt you. But if it does hurt you, it's the dirty kind that the illegal immigrant criminals brought in. Mm-hmm. And all of that's a lie. Yeah, The first thing you learn in psychology stats is correlation does not mean cause. Mm. But instead of calling it out and saying, actually, that's a blatant lie. Mm. Uh, it's a manipulation of feelings and emotions presented as stats, presented as evidence, which really, if you dig underneath it, mean nothing. Yeah, And this idea that you can lie publicly and call it misinformation, sanitize a lie, My question to you is, do you think your generation will put up with this for
0: much longer? It's a very interesting question. I think um, if it's the done thing, it sometimes feels like there's not a ton that you can do against it. When I hear some of the more provocative American right-wing commentators say things that I think are simply untrue, it's very easy to say that's literally a lie, but it can be quite hard to prove it sometimes, I think, Fred. It's hard to prove that something is not the case. It's hard to prove a negative. And so I think that that's the smokescreen that allows these kind of things to persist. I think plenty of young people think that it's a lie, but to then try and find concrete evidence that that's the case is much harder. And I suspect that the people spreading this information have worked that out. They've worked out that it's hard to prove that I'm wrong if I say some completely outlandish rubbish. Maybe it comes again down to this more personal skill of critical thinking. And it's a dangerous game to say that we need to rely on individuals to think critically about the news they consume because... Not everyone can, and that's a problem. But I expect that if you can interrogate correlation doesn't equal causation, there's an agenda behind what I'm reading, I need to be a bit sceptical about what they want from me, then perhaps that will allow people, even if they can't tear someone down for telling a lie, it might allow them to be a bit more hesitant about what they believe or don't believe. It's something that you said then that I find fascinating
1: it's that you can't disprove what they're saying. Yeah. So don't write them off as dumb because what they're doing, so when they say these outlandish, really bizarre things, mm. and let's not just talk about America, mm. okay? We have an example of someone like a Pauline Hanson that has in the past made the most xenophobic, toxic statements you've ever heard. Mm. When people say stuff like that, it's really easy to write off misinformation as, The person telling the lies is stupid. Yeah. They're not. Yeah. It's really deliberate. It's a science. And that's probably the bit that I hear you saying, the science of misinformation may have a time limit Mm.
0: because if people stop listening it loses its potency. It's an interesting uh, challenge, it's interesting to think of it as a science, I suspect, because to some extent it's gotten more sophisticated over time. So it's been aided by technology, but I also think people have gotten better at finding the touch points that push people to feel emotional rather than rational. And when you're emotional and not rational, you're that much more likely to buy into a lie like this. Um, And it happens in quite subtle and perhaps insidious ways as well, I think, for it. So there's the, the stuff that's very easy to see, the outlandish stuff. But when I was thinking about this podcast, I was reminded again of one of the really key examples in my lifetime that stuck with me of this happening in Australia. And this was in 2016 when there was a rash of fear about African gangs in Melbourne. Yeah. Do you remember yeah. this happening? Well, you. I, I do, yeah. I do indeed. Yeah, and so for me, I was, I was 16 at the time, I was sort of coming into my interest in politics and this really stood out to me as being a completely bizarre idea because the police commissioner had come out like a week afterwards and said there is no African gang problem. Like as much as these are subjective and it's hard to have stats about this or whatever, if the police commissioner says there's not a Problem. They, they probably know, right? But it was this media narrative that sensationalized this sense of fear within Melbourne to get people to buy into their clicks, to get them to pay attention and give them money. Because, of course, that's the currency of news in a lot of ways is attention. And so, if you sensationalize something like this, um, which has been happening for a long time, then you can create a lot more interest in your brand and in your channel. And I think that the fact that, in my mind at least, that was somewhat subtler than some of the more outrageous, the bloody immigrants and their disease and stuff. It was just, you know, we're in danger. Look at this, these couple of cherry-picked examples of crimes. Well, that means there's an African gang problem in Melbourne. This ability of media to create this narrative really stood out to me. And I think that it was one of those things that even with a lot of critical thinking, it would be harder to see through because as a, a trusted news source, it was on television, politicians were talking about this, right? And so it's these things that seem to be institutions that we're meant to trust were subverting our knowledge. And so I suspect that that was a little bit more impenetrable and a little bit harder to see through yourself than some misinformation on Facebook or something like that. Something about misinformation and that example that occurred
1: to me is part of the formula for misinformation is typically this idea of punching down or othering a group of people. Mm -hmm. So it's illegal migrants, it's black gangs. Um, I'm sure the LGBTQIA community can talk about how the the fear-mongering about HIV and AIDS was very much directed at their lifestyle. When we knew, and we still know today, it's proliferated outside of that community far more frequently than it is within the community, and it's in fact that community's call for equality that helped us get to a point where we can manage issues like HIV, AIDS through proper medication. I think there's something really fundamental in the sensationalism of any idea, and you talk about the science of it, but it's propaganda. There is a science to propaganda. There are some people that were really good at it. You can go back in time and look at the certain examples of propaganda where music is bought into it and culture is bought into it and iconography is bought into it. There was a, a radio DJ in Australia, who's still around. His name was Merrick Watts. It's probably about 10 years ago. The famous Cronulla riots were one group of people that they say were, you know, of one ethnic origin, went to Cronulla or somewhere and, and did some property damage and caused some trouble. So some right-wing people got behind the cause and Cronulla Beach was stormed by white Anglo-Saxon people looking to square up and get even. Right. And out of that, became this real sort of nationalistic, very racist approach to, so it did, I don't know if it died down, but it certainly died away. But one of the things that they adopted by way of We're Real Australians is using the Southern Cross tattoo as almost like yeah, a right. pride symbol. Right, right, And this radio, I always remember this radio DJ saying, I hate that they've done that because I have that tattoo and it's because <laughs> I'm proud to be Australian not because i'm a racist redneck you know so this idea of misinformation comes with a whole i think good misinformation always others somebody Hmm. you have to have a common enemy and always wraps you up in this kind of great belief. It's the us versus them.
0: And you can't disprove it easily. It's very hard to disprove that the Democrats are not running a child sex rink out of a pizza hut. I'm referencing Pizzagate there for of listeners who've not heard it with yeah. the Google. So I think that's a, a couple of very key features, right? And they can be very hard to unravel, yeah. There's a great book by Dan Brown about misinformation.
1: It's about the Illuminati and the Vatican. And it was this conspiracy theory stuff about the, you know, the hand in behind the church that was yeah. manipulating world events and all the rest of it. It was compelling because it was close enough to be true.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: That on some level you go, ooh. Mm-hmm. And on another level, it was so sensational, it couldn't be believed. Mm-hmm. With that said, we live in a time where this week, in the past week, two of the richest people on the planet, one up to each other going into space, one of them in a rocket that looks like a dick, right? Like, seriously. <laughs> like, you just redesign it, Jeff Bezos. You wouldn't want a rocket that looks that phallic. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, at the same time, they're in a global pandemic. So, sometimes misinformation, in my opinion, is a natural consequence of a human condition where we do do dumb shit that defies logic anyway. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. What's your remedy? If you're talking to the the Zoomers now or you're talking to my auntie that sends this information out yeah. into the world. By the way, if she's listening, I love you very much, Auntie mm-hmm. Roma. If it says send this to ten people if you want good luck, <laughs> it's not real. Yeah. Don't stop and mum, when Auntie Roma sends you those emails, stop opening them, okay? Then I've got to clear your iPad up. It's got seventy-two open windows. She doesn't know how to close a browser window. No, no. Man, I'm I, telling
0: you, I think that there is no one solution, of course. But I, I, I'm a cynical person, and so I rest on cynicism here. I try to ask, like, what is the person on the other end trying to get out of me? You know, who wins here? And if the thing that wins is hatred or othering or pain for someone else or whatever, then I think you've got to interrogate it a little bit further. Now, maybe there is a point at which people do enough horrible things that they are they do deserve to be othered or made the the bad person because perhaps they are the bad person. But I think if that's the call that you're going to be convinced to make by a few posts on Facebook, you need to investigate that further. Because I think if you're going to make the decision to other another group like immigrants or a believer claim that is hard to disprove, like that people are pulling strings behind a government, then the onus is on you to really have a lot of convincing evidence that that's true and that's where this cynicism of mine I think comes from saying well it might be true To, to believe that to be true you've really got to have a lot of weight behind you so I think that younger people are very cynical when it comes to the internet and so I think that's where maybe we win out against misinformation and perhaps the, the problem for older generations is that historically trusted news sources like the TV is becoming more and more untrustworthy. So there's, there, there needs to be a, a resurgence of cynicism for some of these mediums, which is quite difficult for a lot of people to do, I think.
1: One of the things that I've noticed and my response to this concept of misinformation is one, for those out there, and this will be a, a trade secret, but social media is not a news source
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Okay? And it's in the name. It's social media. It's an opinion piece. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's an editorial from people that are misinformed, just like me, okay. Mm-hmm. They want to put their thoughts out there to the world and hope that somehow people resonate with those. So there's two things I've learned to do. One is to take people out of my feed that really do buy into stuff that doesn't have a basis, in fact. And I've, I've taken a few anti-vaxxers out of my feed recently. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think that the other aspect of misinformation is if there is a part of you that's really drawn to some of these opinion pieces, it's more than the information and more about your need to belong. Yeah. And look at that look at that with a critical eye and say, what's missing that I'm drawn to this narrative? And I think that's really important for people to think about. I think misinformation preys on the lonely. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, because it allows you to dive into things. And I think for the older people out there, I don't think you can rely on one source of information as a source of truth anymore because news is commercialized. Mm. Um, finally, from my perspective, I would say, from a psychological perspective, if we've learnt anything from our current circumstances, is nobody gets it right. So you've got a right to be a little bit cynical and skeptical of everybody. And the reason I have a lot of hope in your generation and the younger people coming up, Matt, is I think the school system, for the right reasons, does focus on critical thinking now far more than it did for the generation above me and there's a lot of lamenting on they don't teach the three R's anymore reading, writing and arithmetic and yeah. always found that weird I think the critical piece for everybody is as we teach people to be better at filtering out the lies it makes it harder for people to do it Mm. And that's why I'm really pleased I've got people like you in my life because I can ring you and say, hey, what do you know about this? And you go, that's a scam. (laughs) Yes. All right. And the smartest person I ever met almost fell for one of those, send me your bank account and I will send you $20 million, my dear. You know? So it's it's not about intellect. It's about critical reasoning. And it's about that psychological need to want to be a part of something. And often this idea of we want to be able to blame someone for misfortune.
0: Yeah. you know. And perhaps there's someone on the other end who's out to get you and yes. they're using quite clever machinations to make that happen without us quite yep. realising it. There's a
1: global cabal out there putting <laughs> corn syrup in everything I eat to keep my
0: weight at an unhealthy level. That's, that's right. That's exactly right, Fred, yeah.
1: (laughs) But it's another great episode. I mean, I've learned a lot from you in this Mm -hmm. one. And I, I, you know, this idea of othering and this idea of lies, I I don't want to call it misinformation anymore. It's lies and propaganda,
0: people. It's an important point at the moment. So thank you very much, Fred. I've enjoyed that a lot.
1: I want to recommend all of our listeners get on board with the BetterPod Network. There are great shows coming. Um, I know Matt and I set a very high benchmark, but I can tell you in our link, we have links to other podcasts through the Pod Network. Obviously, we'll have some references from today, and we look forward to talking to you guys next week for If I Only Knew. Lovely. See you next week, guys. Thank you for listening. This podcast is a Better Pod Group production with special thanks to our researcher, Nicola Binks, executive producer, Matt blanche the providers of our theme song with credits that are in our bio, and of course, you, the listener. It's important to remember that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Whilst there are therapeutic themes discussed, in no way is the podcast considered treatment, and in the event you're in a psychological emergency, please reach out in whatever way you can through 000 or Lifeline 131114. It's important to remember that the discussion is for entertainment purposes, and the opinions voiced by podcast hosts are theirs and theirs alone. Any reference to copyright or copywritten material is, of course, the copyright of the copyright owner and or relevant corporate entities. Thank you for listening to their Pod Group Productions and tune in to some of our other excellent pod productions on this network.